The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. I'm me. Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Oh, baby, the pitching was good, Adam. The pitching was very, very good. Are we having fun yet? The answer to that is this weekend we did have a lot of fun. Before we get into all of that, Adam, how are you? I'm doing great, Andrew. First sweep since uh, mid-June sweep of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think it was a while before that one to, to get back to the previous one. So that was nice in its own right. And for it to come against the Brewers' biggest rival this season, the Cincinnati Reds, um, in a series that going into it, we knew, hey, tiebreakers are up for grabs for the Brewers. Even more than that, you know, first place is up for grabs. Boy, did they go and grab both of those things, Andrew. Uh, the Brewers come out of that series in a fantastic position. Start off the second half in the best possible fashion. Doesn't mean it's all smooth sailing. Doesn't mean everything's going to be easy, as we've kind of flagged up for quite a while now. The upcoming stretch, pretty formidable. Tree against the Phillies, tree against the Braves, tree against the Reds again, tree against the Braves before you get into a nice Nationals, Pirates, Rockies White Sox groove, um, but can't think of 
any possible way. It is impossible, Andrew, to start the second half of the season better than with a sweep in Cincinnati to take first place back. Yeah, it was great. Um, before we talk about that, we'll talk about some some things that have happened since we last spoke. Uh, at least I think this one happened since we last spoke. Um, this one may have been just a few hours after we finished recording the last episode. But uh, Tyrone Taylor was officially reinstated from the IL, and we've seen a bit of him in that Red Series. Uh, corresponding move uh, was obviously earlier in uh, the week Jemai Jones had been uh, option to Nashville. I think that was on July 10th. Um, so Tyrone's back to enter the mix with Blake Perkins, Rymel Tapia, uh, to see who gets uh, playing time out in right field. Obviously, he can play center field, too, if Joey Weimer needs a day off. Jemai Jones would not be gone long, uh, as Brian Anderson had to be moved to the IL. Um, uh, he's having a, an issue with his lower back. They're calling it a lower back strain. So, yeah, some hold, more holding movement. the baby. That's got to be what it is. It's learning how to hold the, the new kid. Yeah, but uh, once you once you build up your dad's strength, eventually the back pain goes away. You know, it's just hopefully just an initial blip on the radar. Uh, but this is uh, this is just one of two injuries that would happen oh, uh, to a cor- to a corner infielder. Uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers this week, Adam, because uh, the weirdest bit of injury news came from a man who was currently on the IL. Uh, that man was uh, Rowdy Telez. Uh, he was expected to come off the IL uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, or today as you're listening to this, Tuesday um, uh, to face off against those Phillies. Uh, the first injury, obviously, was the uh, right forearm inflammation uh and then before the game on july 5th which uh, i believe was saturday he was uh shagging fly balls and he injured his finger uh so a finger that he broke the tip of his ring uh, finger on his left hand tore the fingernail from his nail bed which required 17 stitches so basically the baseball gods are just inventing new injuries to to fuck with the brewers and uh like when it rains, it pours. Uh, I'm ready for it to stop. What? What? Like, should he have been anywhere near? <laughs> Not ask this with the benefit of hindsight, but fly balls. Like, what? What is Rowdy doing here? Particularly coming off the IL. Does this? Does this add up to you or make sense, or does it just kind of seem weird all around? It's it's just a freak thing. I mean, it's. You know, guys are. I, I know this is every there's day. not a there's not a high likelihood of this happening, um, in this scenario. But still, yeah, just uh, very very unfortunate to say the least. Um, we were hoping that hey, maybe there's a chance he's gonna come back and everything would be fine. But yeah, getting your hand stuck in the outfield wall, tearing off the nail bed, and fracturing your left ring finger. That's honestly sounds pretty horrific. Uh, it does not sound like fun at all. So, no. three to four weeks at minimum, I think, was key to how this was described. And hey, would what like just the, I guess the visceral nature of that injury is, and what it sounds like to even play it in your head. It's like, well, maybe the minimum is gonna actually be a factor, and it could be longer than that. 
just really bad timing. I mean, we know Rowdy has been struggling in a major way, and it's left the Brewers in a tough spot at first base. But, yeah, in a season where there have been multiple times where we could only but laugh at the Brewers' misfortune when it comes to injuries, we can't even laugh at this one because it sounds absolutely horrible. And uh, it makes the conversation of the over the next few weeks even more complex because we talked about where are places the Brewers can add players around the edges to get better at the deadline. We talk about right field, DH, first base, even a little bit of third base. Now you don't know about the uncertainty of uh, Brian Anderson's back. What if that's something that lingers? Like you said, just the bizarre nature of Rowdy's injury. And even guys that I mentioned as trade candidates uh, – Yimer Candelario uh, has a thumb issue right now, I think, for the Washington Nationals. So even players that just I'm projecting uh, would make good brewers are getting hurt right now, Adam. It's just uh, you can't run away from it. But, uh, yeah, just tough for for Rowdy. We were hoping he would come back and some rest and relaxation would uh, knock him out of his slump. But now it it places the brewers in a tough position where uh, I think we're going to see continue to see a lot of Owen Miller at first base over the next two weeks, at least unless they uh, go outside the organization uh, to find uh, someone to fill that role at first. And uh, are they, they could look within the organization. You keep keep forgetting. It's it's I'm full. I'm fully on. It's time to go ahead and do that mode. Uh, I think you call up Keston and you play him and you see what happens and you just, you, you, you just see, you just see if he can at least provide you some sort of positive impact. I mean, we know he's got the power. What do you have to lose at this point? Not a lot. Like, can you look at some of the guys who are on the roster? It's like, for all the the problems we have with Kessinger and had with him last year in the team, there are a few guys currently in the mix and playing very nearly every day. Uh, who don't offer a whole lot of anything, and that's not even just that we're not just talking about like struggling players, we're talking about guys who just they're very, very limited. So, Keston, limited player, but we know what the upside can be. And you know, what? right now, that trade off might just be welcome, it could be something that gets you just a little bit over the line in close games. And if your pitching could stay really, really strong. You know what? Some strikeouts don't matter quite as much if the odd home run comes in as the trade-off. I think last but not least, some a bit of recent news. Uh, Jacob Mizorowski, we talked about his uh, exciting performance in the Futures game. He is now being called up to A Biloxi, so he'll join the Shuckers after having a dominant start to the season um, with uh, the Mudcats and then the Timber Rattlers. Uh, rising quickly through the system. Obviously, he was picked in last season's uh, MLB draft. A guy that it's not hard to imagine. Obviously, they're going to continue to try to develop him as a starting pitcher. Uh, Industry consensus is kind of split on whether or not uh, he'll be able to sustain a career as a starter, and a lot of people think he might be just a a high-leverage back half of the bullpen arm. Uh, So that all that being said... It's not hard to imagine us having a conversation about him making his major league debut if they want to ease him into his big league career as a reliever this time next year. So uh, exciting stuff for Mizorowski. And uh, uh, what did we call Biloxi, the pearl of the Gulf Coast, uh, a, a few episodes ago? So if you want to finish up your summer with a vacation, go t- try and time it with uh, one of his starts. 
box office Biloxi. I mean, what a what a group of Brewers prospects down there right now. Yeah, if you're if you're like a prospect hound, you just need to go camp out in Biloxi for a week, and you'll see uh, Caro, Chorio, potentially Mizarowski if you time it on the right day. Tyler Black's still there, right? Uh, so I believe so. Yeah, ty- yeah, Tyler Black's still there. So, man, Carlos Rodriguez, just so much fun in Biloxi. I don't know what their record is. You know, things like this don't always translate uh, because it's all about development. But uh, yeah, exciting times to be to be a Shuckers fan. Did I, did I leave anything else? At, uh, anything out, Adam? Do we have anything else we want to touch on before we're getting into this? Uh, thrilling and tight margin series i don't think so uh yelly celebrated 10 years in the major leagues and was gifted a guitar so did you see this i don't know if yelly even plays guitar yes. guitar signed by all of his teammates thought that was kind of a weird gift um that had a brewer's logo on it a marlin's logo on it but hey good for yelly 10 years in the majors and uh he celebrated in style in this series too Oh, I did want to mention something that's tangentially related uh, to the Brewers, not the current Brewers, but uh, I'll do things I shouldn't do and plug another podcast. But uh, the Mo- on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinels podcast uh, that they released today, I was listening to an interview with Eric Kratz. He's now been involved with a book written by Tim Brown called The Tao of the Backup Catcher Playing Baseball for the Love of the Game. And it really seems like it's going to be an interesting read. That's one of just like the most quirky positions in baseball because you know so often those guys end up becoming managers because they are forced to see the game in both in a unique way on the field and then a unique way off the field a lot of them take like leadership roles especially as they advance in their career you gotta know how to uh work with uh, all kinds of different pitchers or maybe sometimes you form like a really special relationship with a pitcher as we see with victor caratini and corbin burns this year so yeah uh I don't read much, but uh, very into this book. Ob- obviously, Eric Kratz had a long Major League Baseball career, what played a prominent role on that uh, 2018 Milwaukee Brewers team that we got to watch a little bit of in our uh, playback rewatch during the offseason. So, you know, Kratz um, making a name for so- himself now in sports media on foul territory and uh, has the book coming out that he's been heavily involved with. I think there are other, it sounds like other vignettes, um, from other backup catchers and kind of their perspective on the role. But yeah, I just wanted to drop that in there in case anyone's looking for a, you know, uh, uh, a Labor Day present for someone. Labor Day presents. That's what we do. I mean, I'm interested. <laughs> I I've said this before. Backup catchers, catchers. It just, that's the position that from the moment I started watching baseball fascinated me. So yeah, I'll, I'll check that. I thank you for the recommendation, Andrew. Yes. Uh, GSPN book club. The first, first episode. Um, yeah, maybe we maybe we do a crossover episode with make time for this. Uh, if we if we ever both get around to reading it, but anyway, uh, the Brewers open their post All Star break slate against the team that they ended their pre All Star break slate against, and that is the Cincinnati Reds, the team that at the time they were chasing in the standings. First up on the docket, Graham Ashcraft against Corbin Burns, and Corbin Burns had the good stuff. Adam, six innings pitched, just two hits allowed. Uh, and two walks as well. 13 strikeouts, no runs. Had a scary moment in the the uh, fifth inning where he had to kind of compose himself off the back of the mound. Uh, the the heat in Cincinnati 
apparently was uh, pretty fierce that day. Uh, Skyline chili farts filled the air in the stadium, <laughs> I'm sure. So that 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 cannot <laughs> cannot be a healthy thing for anyone to compete in. But Corbin Birds battled through it and just had uh, a stellar outing. I mean, there have been games where he's gone deeper into games. I mean, his starting in the Pirates that I think eventually ended up giving up a few runs in a, f- a few starts ago um, is one of note. But Corbin Burns is starting to look like the Corbin Burns of old. Um, and that's a very promising thing for a team that's now seeming to assert themselves as a, a real player in this NL Central race and, and the team that wants to take hold of it. Um, this is his third start in a row where he's, uh, gone at least six innings and given up, uh, two or fewer runs, uh, two of those starts coming against the Reds, the other against the Pirates, another, uh, NL Central opponent. So, um, just a great outing from Burns and continued to just, raise my spirits and what I think this team could be if they can just uptick that offense uh, a few notches. Yeah, I guess that scary moment of the fifth, the combination of the the heat in the stadium and the heat coming off his fingers. Because, I mean, he really got it going. Honestly, it's maybe... We have seen him go deeper in the games. I don't know if I've seen a game from this year where it seemed like he had as close to full command over his entire arsenal of pitches. Cutter looked great. Some really nice curveballs. Like, he was just... He looked like the best version of Corbin Burns. Um, exactly kind of who you imagine Cy Young winner Corbin Burns being and going out there in the kind of performances you'd like to see him string together very regularly. Uh, the last couple of starts before this he'd given up a couple of earned runs in each which kind of felt a little cheap relative to like his performance he's been playing pretty immaculately for three games so nice to see him actually go through and um get to play a part in a shutout go six scoreless but yeah i mean 13 k's that's some pretty serious pitching and coming to the point in the season that the Brewers are and what what am I talking about? The point in the season that they are at with this game. Like this is a big, big series. It might just be the start of second half. There's a lot of baseball left to be played. But this is one like go get these games and you're controlling your own destiny. You're putting down a marker to the young team, the upstart team, the team that really hasn't been there before. So take control of this race show you are the team with experience and you are going to be the team to beat. That's what the Brewers managed to do in the series, and in large part, that's because Corbin Burns got them off on the right foot. He absolutely did. Um, and the one thing that you and I talked about just a moment ago was uh, the importance of a, a backup catcher on a team, and uh, a backup catcher played the hero uh, for Corbin Burns and the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the team. We'll call it in this game uh, in the seventh inning um, after Burns ended his day by striking out. Uh, the side in the bottom of the sixth, Graham Ashcraft continuing on in the game in the seventh uh, for the Reds because up to that point he was pitching very well himself. Willie Adamas leads off the inning with a double. Uh, an Owen Miller single puts runners on uh, first and third uh, with no outs. Lucas Sims comes on to pitch. Owen Miller still second. Victor Caratini follows with a single to center to score Willie Adamas, and that would uh, give the Brewers a lead. They would not give away uh, the A bullpen. The A team, Adam, uh, they were dominant once more. Elvis Pagaro throws a scoreless seventh. The old Pineapps comes in 
and throws the scoreless eight. And then Devin Williams, the all-star who did not pitch in the all-star game earlier in the week. And you know what? I think that proved to be a pretty good decision uh, considering his availability throws a scoreless ninth to nail down the one, nothing win Uh, three guys pitching in high pressure, high leverage situations in a game that could, you know, uh, the lead could go away as easy as uh, allowing a bloop and a blast, as they say, but they didn't let it happen. Brewers win one nothing. start the series off in the second half off with a win. 39 total pitches for Pugero, Piams, Williams combined. Zero hits, zero walks, five strikeouts. Just dominant in a way that we've come to expect, and what a luxury that is for the Brewers. This, of course, although there was a significant gap between them, a back-to-back one nothing wins for the Brewers. Very, very rare occurrence for the franchise. Um, and would play a part in building into the second game of the series and an even rarer feat being achieved by the Brewers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Next up, Andrew Abbott on the mound against Freddie Peralta. Uh, I couldn't help uh, think about Star Wars when I was watching this game, Adam, uh, because there were a lot of shots that were solo um, in this game. Didn't nail the execution of that. Should have wrote it in the Google Doc. You know what? Yeah, you dust yourself off and you come to play another day. Christian Yelich in the first inning hits a home run to left field to make it one nothing Brewers in the first Uh in the fourth, uh, William Contreras uh, hits a home run to the opposite field and right to make it 2 nothing. Brewers up 2 nothing in the fourth, and they got uh, some great starting pitching from Freddie Peralta. Um, he goes six innings, allows just one hit, no runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. And uh, the thing about that hit, Adam, is uh, the batter that recorded that hit uh, – it came in the what inning did that come in? Oh, I've I've lost myself in the game notes, Adam. But uh, yeah, th- some home plate um, uh, yes, Bork uh, fifth, a, yes, 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 a Fraley infield single after he should have struck out. So the home plate umpiring in this series uh oh, left boy. a lot to be desired. It was not good, and uh, you know uh. He, he probably doesn't stay in the game uh, long enough to actually record the no-no. Uh, the pitch count was at 93 after six innings. Uh, so, you know, he's probably getting into the hundreds around the seventh or the eighth. Anyway, that being said, 
dominant performance from Freddie. And uh, I mean, he's he struggled this year. He's had great velocity and seemingly great stuff, but the command hasn't been there. The command was there in this game and uh, back to back, just stellar starting performances um, from Corbin and Freddie. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Tempered optimism is is what we're probably thinking on Freddie right now. But uh, if, if he's looking something close to like that and is avoiding having the one big inning, which is another thing that kind of had derailed him at times this year, uh, you're starting to feel good about the top half of that rotation when Brandon Woodruff returns. I mean, this is the start that's been coming for Freddie. He's been building towards this. His velocity is being up. He's generally looked really, really good. Um, there has just been one or two kind of tiny blips in the radar that don't do him. Like worth noting his previous start to this, 10 strikeouts, eight strikeouts before that. So guys have been missing when, when Freddie's on the mound. And it's kind of a it felt like this was coming. And I mean, very, very unlucky not to have got out there with a with a no hitter still kind of on the board for the bullpen to go and close out a combined no hitter. But I don't think we necessarily have to. I'm not saying you're going to expect this going forward, but I wouldn't temper expectations too much because Freddie has been pitching really well and it seemed like he was figuring something out. So I would like to see this build as a baseline firm. I mean, if we want to go back to um, that mid June home game against the Pirates where he pitched, which was in their, their last week before this game. He hasn't had a game with more than three earned runs since then. And if you want to go back all the way to the start of June, yeah, I mean, you, you do. You go back to the start of June. There's only one four earned run game in that spell. You do expect Freddy to probably give something up, but he has generally had it under control. He has been going at least five we just need to see him hit six consistently, maybe shave a run or two off what he's allowing. I think we'll be in a great spot, but I do believe he's figuring something out. It's looked like he's building to this performance. So the one hitter through six innings doesn't feel like an anomaly for me. I'll be looking for not more of the exact same, but something similar for Freddie going forward. Yeah. Five, six, one ERA in May for him. Uh, Four seven three ERA in June, and now through two starts in July, uh, 2.38, and obviously th- uh, this weekend's dominant start. So trends in the right direction um, for Freddie Peralta, um, especially if he can um, limit walks and uh, avoid the one big inning like we were saying, and obviously because some of those starts where he's not quite reaching six innings because of the high pitch count, um, that can derail him at times, but looking looking good over the weekend and hopefully something to build on as he figures out uh, what this second half can be for him. Uh, Elvis Peguero comes in after and provides a, a scoreless inning of work before that. Owen Miller in the top of the seventh hit a solo homer of his own, so the three solo shots make it three to nothing through seven innings. Yoel Pimps comes in, two strikeouts, only ten pitches, eight strikes. And then Devin Williams comes on to close things out again for the second straight night. Two strikeouts, only eight pitches, seven strikes. Just absolutely dominant work from the bullpen again. Um, Yeah, nothing much more to say uh, on those three. Uh, Just continually bringing it when the Brewers need it. And uh, 
close out another win and clinch the season series against the Cincinnati Reds, which, as we know, is all too important if we get into any kind of tiebreaker scenario at the end of the season. For sure. I mean, just not to kind of gloss past one part of this, which is easy to kind of gloss past in this series, but uh, Christian Yash had a home run here. We're going to get on to another game in a moment, and we'll be talking about him again. Uh, Christian Yelich, back. Back. Yeah, back. B-A-C-K, Andrew. Back. Um, let's, let's, let's take a trip real quick, Adam. Uh, I, I didn't have the, the right tab up, but I mean, like, we're, we're trending into the territory where we feel like this is something uh, that could be, I don't want to say permanent, but a lasting adjustment. Uh, on that podcast, Eric Kratz uh, told J.R. Radcliffe that when they had Yelly on foul territory a few weeks ago, he had told him, I can't remember if this was on camera or off, uh, like off to the side. He said that Yelich had uh, told him he had figured something out and he thought, you know, good things were coming. And where we are at this point in the season, 286 batting average, uh, 378 OBP, 472 slug. That's an 850 OPS. Uh, there's you know a degree of of power coming with that. Uh, as we saw in the series, he, he hit a, a pair of home runs. I pulled one as well. So uh, for everyone keeping track at home of the the pulled home runs. So he should have been an all star. We've been ranting about this. Uh all the last few weeks but you know 132 OPS plus Christian Yelich with 13 homers stealing bases he's got 21 stolen bases on the year yeah that's that's back to me i know it's not mvp level but that's that's like well i mean everyone can everyone if this is over the course of like if this is if this was to continue and i'm i'm looking way ahead i'm not actually assuming this but it's not MVP level because of how much he was struggling early in the year. And like, we've built our way back up and from when he's found it, that is absolutely the kind of guy who's going to be in the mix for MVP. And even one concern that we talked about going into the all-star break was this is bad time for Yelly. He's finally found it. And now his rhythm is going to be disrupted. Guess what? doesn't come. doesn't matter. It comes back multiple Homer series. That's the kind of thing that we haven't been able to see from him for a long, long time. And it's just, he's kind of, it's like the home runs are one thing and they're a pretty big thing. Don't get me wrong, because that wasn't happening at all. But it's also just big hits. He's pretty reliable when it comes to that. And just the difference it makes to have someone of that caliber on your team again. I mean, Brewers fans don't need to be told about this. They remember what it was like before. And yeah, seeing some version that's just even remotely in the same ballpark as prime Christian Yelich makes a colossal difference to this team. It And it's also in a, like your offense is not good. You're down a bunch of guys with injuries. You're in this close, hard fought series. It's one of those things that allows you to grind out a couple of these games and to go and sweep the Reds and take control of the division. And I think uh, what you said, that's, I guess the best reason or optimism uh, is the trend, the trend line. Like in April and the 
day or two in March, whatever it was, a 656 OPS, an 842 OPS in May, a 912 OPS in June, and 1.165 OPS in the uh, 51 plate appearances in July. He's uh, trending positively, and uh, like you said, with what he's doing right now, it's it's just damn fun to watch. Shall we move on to the final game of the series, Adam? Let's do it. Adrian Hauser taking the the mound against Ben Lively. Almost said Blake. Didn't stop myself. Uh, but uh, we go on from there. Adrian Hauser, I thought it was a good start. I, I thought uh, he did uh, his job uh, in the second inning after allowing a Jonathan India single. Joey Votto hit a double to left center field, splitting that gap to make it one nothing. Reds, the aforementioned back Christian Yelich hit a home run uh, to tie the game at 1-1. One to one. 439 feet, almost got over 440, which would have given the bonus uh, hitting time in the home run derby, but, you know, not quite uh, close. Uh, so 1-1 one, one game after the Yelich homer. Um, Adrian Hauser still on the mound, fighting through it for the Brewers. Jake Fraley comes up in the third, hits a home run. Um, with Matt McLean already on base to make it three to one. Hauser goes five and two thirds innings pitch, six hits, three runs. They were all earned. Two walks, five strikeouts, the one homer to Fraley. Would have got out of the sixth inning. Uh, it was a play that uh, Andrew Monasterio probably should have made, but did not. Instead, uh, Bryce Wilson comes in to record the final out of the sixth inning. Don't know if you had any uh, thoughts on Hauser. Uh, I think. You know, coming off the heels of two absolutely dominant performances, it's not going to stand out. But one thing that we've said about certain pitching performances this season is they gave the, he, that particular pitcher, whoever it is, gave the Brewers a chance to win the game. And I kind of feel that way about Hauser's outing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a, it was a good performance from him. Um, pretty much got the six innings. You can't ask for a whole lot more. 96 pitches as well. Like, that's remember there was a point this year Raging Hauser was going to be a bullpen arm again, and he's been forced yep. back by circumstance into being a starter. And to now being a starter who is doing a pretty good job, like 379 ERA, it's kind of right around it's like, oh, Adrian Hauser's solid. He's going to keep you in games. Like you're not just going to be out of it because he's pitching most of the time. And I I can't really say much more than that about him. Um very impressed. I'm pleased with how he's he's pitching since getting back in the mix this year. Um, feels more solid all around than last year. Just the the variance elements are still there. We have seen a couple of notable examples of it, but I do think overall it is kind of rounding out at something that feels much more solid and baseline and reliable, which has been the key to like keeping the Brewers on track generally this season. Is the likes of uh, Julio Tehran, Colin Ray being able to give you, oh, it's going to be, you know, Colin Ray, probably four earned runs. But it won't be more than that. You'll have a chance. Um, who is around, maybe a little bit more variance up and down. But generally, I think with these guys who've been asked to step up, there's been an air of stability and something you can kind of bank on. And Hauser, more than anyone, I think, deserves credit for that because his role has shifted a couple of times throughout the season and right now he's very steady like if you told us coming into the year 
Eric Lara would be going through all sorts and kind of be out of the mix and we wouldn't even be thinking or talking about him. And part of the reason we'd have that luxury is because Adrian Hauser was back starting and holding it together. I don't know how convinced of that Brewers fans would have been. It really felt like the Adrian Hauser experience had come towards the end of the road. Um, I know we talked definitely on this podcast about maybe being a reliever could be like kind of a rebirth for him and make him into an entirely different pitcher make him even more effective. You know what? Long run, that could still be the case for his career, but circumstances forced him to be a starter again, and I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. Uh, from a... Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but this from the same perspective that I, I you know, we take an interest to, into uh, backup catchers, I kind of have a similar feeling to like back of the rotation arms because mm-hmm. it feels like their career career could always be a few bad outings away from just, you know, their role either being completely downshifted to the bullpen or them just turning out to be, you know, not major league material. Whereas, uh, like you said, Hauser has fought against uh, returning from a tough year last year, role uncertainty to, you know, uh, string together some good outings. He's got a 379 ERA um, over the season, and uh, you'll take that. Uh like we said, Bryce Wilson relieved him to get the last out of the sixth inning. Uh, in the f- fifth, before all that, Christian Yelich had singled to center to sh- score Andrew Monasterio uh, to make it 3-2. to two. So Yelich helping the Brewers chip away at that lead. Brewers got two crucial relief innings from Hobie Milner um, today, obviously, with Peguero and Piamps uh, pitching high leverage innings uh, the two nights previously. I think... Uh, Craig was uh, understandably hoping to at least spare a few of the uh, A bullpen guys from having to work three games in a row. And Hobie allowed them to do that. Two innings pitch, allowed a hit and a walk, and only had one strikeout, but uh, 30 pitches across two innings did not allow a run, keeping that game tight. And that brings us uh, to the top of the eighth inning, uh, which was. uh, uh, I I was kind of surprised by this comeback victory. I don't know why. It, probably after you know watching four runs combined over the previous two games, I thought, okay, maybe you know they've gotten their two out of three against the Reds. They've gotten uh, the season series clinched and the tiebreaker in their back pocket. Maybe this is the one where things just don't work out for them. Willie Adamas leads off the inning against Lucas Sims with a walk. Jesse Winger uh, then surprises with a single off the wall uh, in right field to place runners on the corners. Um, with no outs, Tyrone Taylor pinch runs for Jesse Winker. And then here's the play that I think sort of tilted the game. And it's just small things in a baseball game that lead to one team winning and the other team not winning. Owen Miller in a one, two count hits a sacrifice fly to, you know, moderately deep center field. Willie Adamas is going to score easy on this. Uh, he does score, but TJ Friedel or Friedel, um, Attempts to throw him out at home when he probably has no shot at getting him. Tyrone Taylor makes a great heads up. Got a trope second. Tyrone Taylor makes a great heads up base running uh, choice. Tags up, gets to second base uh, to put himself in scoring position. After a Rymel Tapia fly out, Andrew Monasterio fights off a ball into right field. A single scoring Tyrone Taylor puts the Brewers up four to three. Um, And then after Hobie uh, again records that scoreless eighth inning, Devin Williams, working for the third consecutive day, comes out and collects yet another save. 
closes things down, gets the Brewers to sweep. But yeah, um, overall, uh, a series where it could have gone either way in a lot of circumstances, but the Brewers starting pitching, a bullpen, and a few uh, timely base running plays or singles, hits, and Christian Yelich and William Contreras as well because uh, it was easy to overlook just like the amazing or amazing series that Contreras had at the plate, and we'll get into that when we're handing out beers. But uh, they got it done. The offense uh, still leads to some stressful moments, and we'll see if that's addressed over the next two weeks. But kind of a statement series for me, a pair of statement series in the middle of a tough stretch where the Brewers uh, need to show that they're in this race for the long haul, the Reds are fun. They got a lot of rookies. They just caught up another one uh, uh, after this game. So yet another name to the mix. Uh, the Brewers largely held down uh, Ellie De La Cruz in this series. What did I say? It was 0 for 12 with five strikeouts. Was that the right number? I can't I can't remember if I had yeah, it right. But It's something like that. He's trash. He's trash. That's, I take back <laughs> everything we said a week, uh, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> we we oversell the what rivalry <laughs> well I, I, that's a joke it's a joke we <laughs> joke we see him in like two weeks less yeah. 10 days and he's gonna he's gonna go off i'm sure uh but no it's great when you can do that to ellie de la cruz for a series i i'll be honest i was not surprised the brewers came back in this game um when christian yelch hit his home run on the turret i was like they're gonna win this game and then the Brewers immediately gave that lead back uh, with a, a two-run homer for the Reds. And I was still like, you know what? I just, they're going to win this game. I felt it the whole way true. Shout out Hobie Milner. Um, someone who, I mean, increasingly he's pitching at a level where he is, he's, it's unfair for him that there is such thing as an A bullpen and he finds himself on the outside looking in. Um, but this is how this I, is how I, you contribute to it. I mean, we can have an A series. I consider him the A team. Yeah, I, I think that's for sure. He he is, um, whatever way it breaks down. Like one for winning this game for winning the series, it's colossal, those two scoreless innings he gives you. But also, you've got a day off after the series before you pick things back up against the Phillies. So he gives Elvis Samuel, two days off. Like, if the Brewers find themselves in a close game against the Phillies, which, let's face it, the Brewers are in a close game every single day, they may well be able to go back to Peguero and Piamps because Hobie Milner was able to kind of step up, give two really strong, high-leverage innings here, and help the Brewers to win. So it's it's just kind of massive all fronts. It's massive within the context of the game. But also in terms of how the other most important pitchers in the bullpen have been worked, where the schedule is kind of coming up on you and where you have a chance to, you have a built-in break, can you take advantage of it? I mean, in an ideal world, you blow the lead wide open in the eight and Devin Williams doesn't have to come in. Um, but hey, under the circumstances, we won't we won't pass up a 4-3 win over the Reds. And I, I think Hobie Milner deserves a colossal amount of credit for that. And just... Generally, like someone else that should fall into the category of like let's not let's not sleep on Hobie Milner ERA down to two thirty seven now, and he had his struggles this year too. Like he could very easily have gone the way that say we've seen Peter Strzelecki go, um, 
Instead, Hobie has given up one earned run in two months. Pretty, pretty good going. Um, good for Hobie Miller. Good for the Brewers. Very much so. That'll take us to the Master Brewer leaderboard. Um, and <laughs> we're we're getting we're getting hammered this week, Adam. We're we we bought a case and we're and we're ready to drink it down. Um, Devin Williams, three beers, yeah. three innings pitch, no hits, no hits, no walks, no runs, five strikeouts, just utterly dominant across three games. We've we've Yo often Pimes. talked about you know what is a tree. It's easy to imagine what a tree beer series would be for a starting pitcher or for a position player. What does it look like for a reliever? I think three consecutive days, three consecutive saves, all in really close games against your biggest division rival, that will do it. So first uh, tree beer award that we've given out uh, to a, a relief pitcher, and I think it is very, very well-deserved for Devin Williams. I think so, too. He's running away with it this season, and he was their all-star, uh, you know, before replacements and uh yeah i think he's uh just been their best player this year um him and yelich uh y'all Piamps gets a pair of beers two innings pitch no hits no walks no runs four strikeouts Pagero gets a pair of be- beers two innings pitch no hits one walk no runs three strikeouts corbin burns two beers six innings pitch two hits two walks no runs 13 strikeouts freddie peralta two beers six innings pitch one fraud hit uh two walks six <laughs> strikeouts Hobie Milner, two beers, two innings pitch, one hit, one walk, one strikeout. William Contreras gets a beer, six for 12, a walk, a double, a homer, one run, one RBI. Um, Christian Yelich, four for 12, a walk, a double, two homers, two runs, three RBI. Victor Caratini, one for five of the walk, game-winning hit in the one nothing win on Friday. Not a lot of offensive performers to speak of in this series. This series was about pitching so that's why those guys are getting rewarded very heavily but they had the select few guys who really stepped in the up in the moment Andre Monasterio might have gotten one if you know he'd had a better overall series but credit to him for getting that game winning hit uh on Sunday uh leaderboard for the season through 94 games if my brain is telling me that correctly 52 uh plus 42 yep that adds up uh 25 beers for Devin Williams the old pineapps has 19 Christian Yelich has 17 Brian Anderson, Corbin Burns, William Contreras have 14. Joey Weimer, Willie Adamas, Elvis Piguero, Hobie Milner have 13. Uh, Owen Miller has 12. Peter Strzelecki with 11. Rowdy Tellez and Bryce Wilson with 10. Bryce Terang, Wade Miley, Victor Caratini, Freddie Peralta with 8. Julio Tehran, Bryce Terang. Oh, Julio Tehran and Colin Ray with 7. Got to update this document. Uh, Garrett Mitchell and Adrian Hauser with 5. Blake Perkins, Jesse Winker, Andre Monasterio with 4. Eric Lauer, Jake Cousins, Trevor McGill with three, Brandon Woodruff, Gus Varlin, Javi Guerra, Tyrone Taylor, Rymel Tapia with two, Luke Voigt, Mike Brasso, Matt Bush, Tyson Miller, Darren Ruff, Abraham Toro, Jemai Jones, J.B. Bukowskis, and Abner Uribe with one. What I'm most looking forward to in the world, Adam, is the time that I get to read this off and Brandon Woodruff's name does not have a two next about, to it. I was also thinking of what I'm most looking forward to in the world is Abner Uribe pitching again. I, I didn't miss something, yeah. right? He, he's still he's still with the Brewers. He hasn't he hasn't been sent back down to Nashville. So I'm gonna guess we'll see some more Abner Uribe against the Phillies. Um, I would thing that I would think one, so. 
One thing I want to shout out because I meant to after we talked with the second game and I forgot. Um, but with that shutout, the Brewers became the first team now to be history to record three straight shutouts while striking out at least a dozen batters in each. It's pretty good. Um, and speaks a lot towards why we've just been like, hey, pitchers have multiple beers each. Those of you who listen regularly, that is not generally how um, the Master Brewer leaderboard section of the show works out. In fact, in now a year and a half, we have never been quite as generous as that before. I don't even think we're being generous. I think those guys earned it. I mean, even some like Freddy, Freddy, oh, he only goes six. Yeah, he was very nearly on for a no-hitter, if not for the fraud hit, as as you've described it, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, it, this feels like the series to do it. I also want to comment on how I love the weirdness of ending the first half with a 1-0 win and then beginning the second half of a 1-0 win. We were just like, yeah, well, stressful, but got it done. Way to go, team. And then just like, all right, uh, new half, same as the first half. And uh, uh, the, the symmetry there, uh, especially with you know the the score, the teams, just weirdness. I love it. We're, we're riding on a high on this podcast, Adam, because of uh, – because of the results and an off days after after something like this uh is twofold on one side you're like uh you know keep the momentum rolling let's go uh, i want to see the brewers play they they can't they can never lose again but part of it is good to be like all right let's bask in this for a little bit and enjoy the little moments within 162 games of baseball uh but let's look ahead if you will uh the brewers will head to Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, the Phillies uh, have played well of of late, I believe, getting themselves back into playoff uh, contention. They're one of the teams, along with uh, the Brewers and uh, and the Reds, who have been well, the Reds until they played the Brewers, who have been hot of late. The Phillies have got their record back up to fifty one and forty two, still ten and a half games behind uh, the Atlanta Braves and in NL East, and that division is uh not going to change but they are a half game back of a national league wild card spot so uh no easy task to beat the phillies this week uh tuesday a f- is it is it a 540 central start uh no yeah yeah five yeah 540 central start phillies doing 640 eastern games what does this world come to uh julio tehran I guess it's good for you, Adam. So, uh, Julio Tehran yeah. on the mound the, against Aaron Nola. I mean, what's Aaron your problem? It's, good. Uh, it's not good for you now. And it's like, oh, the games are too early. I'm just, I, I, I try to put myself in perspective of like, uh, oh, I've got to get off work and get to this game at a reasonable hour. I also want to get dinner. But, you know, I need to think of the international fans who early start times are good for. So, you're right. I, I apologize for, for overlooking my co-host in this one moment. Uh, so yeah, Julio Tehran against Aaron Nola in that series opener. Uh, another 5:40 Central start on Wednesday, July 19th. Wade Miley on the mound against Christopher Sanchez, and then a 11:35 Central start. Uh, uh, Corbin Burns on the mound against Tawan Walker uh, to wrap things up on Thursday. Then the Brewers will head to Atlanta for three, or excuse me, they'll head home to face Atlanta for three, then Cincinnati again for three. Another off day Thursday, July 27th, and then I head to Atlanta to watch the Brewers at the Braves to uh, finish up, uh, to nearly finish up July, because it'll be one more day of that against Washington. Uh, Like we said, the Brewers have now claimed the tiebreaker against the Cincinnati Reds. They have a 
two and forty-two record with a two-game lead over the Reds now. Eight and a half or eight-game lead over the Cubs, ten and a half over the Pirates, eleven and a half over the Cardinals. Still work to do in the rest of July with a tough schedule, but uh, for now we will rest on this off day and say job well done this weekend. But as a rare all three games pre midnight start for me, so yeah, let's just let's champion that. That only happens twice more this season after that. So rare it is. It's September before it happens again. Back to back series where it happens with the Pirates and Yankees. So yeah. I'm sorry, everyone, if you're, you know, you might miss the first inning getting home from work. That sounds terrible. This is my time to shine, people. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I, Adam can have a earlier start as a treat. That That's fine. You know, I, I can I apologize listen, for overlooking it. If you need updates, people, I might be able to give them because it's early enough. So that's the upside here. Anything else you got, Adam? Uh, you know, I've kept my. You know, my uh, my spirit's high on this episode. Thanks to the Brewers. Been a tough few weeks for me, but, you know, I'm feeling good. I've actually got one other thing that we should have had in news and notes and we forgot uh, because it relates directly to our last podcast, which just knew ah. this this quote came out or the details of it came out actually before I could get it posted. I was thinking Cor- about it on a walk to the <laughs> grocery store today and I forgot to put it in there. So I'm glad you said this. At a lunch in, I believe, New York, Corbin Bur- Burns just, you know, came straight out and asked, Hey, Matt Arnold, are you going to trade me? Matt Arnold said, No, of course not. <laughs> uh, I, just interesting all around. Um, Corbin trusting anything the Brewers tell him is interesting. Um, Matt Arnold coming out and being that definitive, also interesting. Hey, Right now, if Corbin's going to keep trending upward like this, it makes sense. We talked through all of the reasons why you would trade him, all of the reasons why you wouldn't last week. Uh, but I guess that's just worthwhile as an addendum to our conversation and as a an appetizer for future trade deadline conversations. I don't know if I will say... 100% Corbin Burns will not be traded. There is zero chance that Matt Arnold could go back on his word. Um, but certainly seems like an interesting wrinkle to be put out there. I wonder, did Matt Arnold believe that wrinkle would be made public is another another factor in that. But Corbin Burns perhaps learning lessons or having been burned, maybe he was like, yeah, okay, that's great. You told me that. Well, I'm going to tell everyone else you told me that. Um Fun and games, interesting one way or another, but at least from Corbin Burns' perspective, he's been told he will not be traded at the deadline. And I believe also in the reporting notes that Willie Adamas will also not be traded at the deadline. Um, the Brewers are being positioned as a buyer. Consider me again skeptical of that, but this is this is where we're at. This is, I guess, the latest update, so we'll see how all of that plays out. Yeah, I think that we we spent uh, a significant amount of time talking through kind of just the various philosophies on what you should do regarding trading Burns and who he could be traded to. But I think at the end of the day, our overall assumption was this is going to be what happened. Um, And uh, yeah, the buyer comment, uh, I will say my skepticism lies where where yours does unless something... Drum roll, please. Opportunistic comes around. 
because that's the that's the new word. That's the new bite bite of the apple, Adam. Opportunistic. We'll see what the Brewers do over the next few weeks. We'll see what they do on the fields. In just a few days, we'll be back to talk about the Philly series. So make sure you never miss an episode. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. That's cruising for a bruising. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN podcasts. We've got the Eurostep Podcast Network, the main feed, home to all things Milwaukee Books. You've got Eurostep with Tywin Shimron and Cadi. You've also, although generally less so, in the offseason got winning six, myself and Jordan Tresky. Talk of the Tundra is back for all things Green Bay Packers. Numak, Jordan, have you covered? Beginning to ramp up their look aheads to the new NFL season. Surveying the competition all across the land. If you want to be on top of all of that, make sure you do check out Talk of the Tundra. And last but by no means least, we got to make time for this. Place for all things pop culture, for movie talks, where you'll get more from Andrew and I. Um, our most recent episode was on the second season of The Bear. Prior to that, we've got Wes Anderson's Asteroid City coming up later this week. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. If you like Mission Impossible, you've seen that movie, well, we'll be talking about it. Coming up after that, into next week. I don't know. Do we end up doing two next week? Is it next week and the week after? But all your Barbie and Oppenheimer needs, they will be covered too. I see wider society trying to pretend like movies are mainstream again, Andrew. I see them trying to co-opt it. I see all these movie theaters being like, oh, double bills. Guess who's doing double bills all year round? It's, it's to make time for this, fellas. So, all your Barbenheimer content. All the chatter, all of the dissection, the discussion, the analysis. You'll find that I make time for this. We're very excited for all of it. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam.